Hey, this is Cameron. Hey, this is Justin. We want to give a big shout out to Seven Element Athletics. They do so many great stuff for active duty and veterans in the, in the athletics arena, whether it's ice hockey or any types of sports to give veterans an outlet for things to do to keep them busy, to give them ice time and everything. They do a fantastic job. Cameron, we've both been a part of Seven Element Camps, and it's a great way to raise money to help out veterans, right? Absolutely. They do great work. They take care of everybody. It's fantastic. So make sure you visit 7element.org or visit them on Facebook, on Twitter, anything to give them a lot of support. I know CMACE and Hal Guild, they're a part of it as well. They do great, great work with people in our community to help give them an outlet and things to do when they're off duty or when they are retired, when they're done. And it's for first responders too. So it's not just those that have been in the military, but first responders are part of this. Make sure you do everything you can to support 7element, our official podcast sponsor. Get them tax credits. The Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. The Star Wars Holiday Special. Starring Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. With Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca. R2-D2 as R2-D2. And James Earl Jones as the voice of Darth Vader. Introducing Chewbacca's family. His wife, Mala. His father, Itchy. His son, Lumpy. With special guest stars, Beatrice Arthur, Art Carney, Diane Carroll, The Jefferson Starship, Corman and an animated Star Wars story on the Star Wars Holiday Special. But yeah, we can kind of go with the Give book. me a check to see where I need to position this. Check, check, check in the mic. This is my normal talking voice. I will be talking at this level for the majority check, of the Check, check, check in the mic. I'm going to put a little bit closer to you. Yeah, that seems pretty normal. Okay. We wish you a merry Christmas. We wish you a merry Christmas. Are we, we recording? Wish you a merry Christmas and a happy new year. Gotcha. <laughs> Hi, Justin. Hey, Cameron. How's it going? It's going all right. Um, this is the holiday special, so welcome in. Oh, are we going to have our signatures appear at the very end on a screen? <laughs> happy holidays from Southern Hostility. F you. <laughs> we could. And F your opinions. Um... It's funny because like before the show, I said I had something prepared at the beginning of the show, and when we were talking about what we were going to talk about, you you said your game at the beginning. So we, <laughs> I do have a game prepared. I knew you had a game. You always have a game for me. See. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do is Christmas movie trivia. Oh no! I'm going to feel like such an ass if I get things wrong. <laughs> <laughs> do you like the Christmas movies, Bradford? Yes, I do. Okay. 
I just, uh, well, I just watched Christmas Vacation last night. Perfect. And I, Home Alone 2 the night before. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I do have some Home Alone questions. I did not do uh, Christmas Vacation, but okay. um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what you can do. All Here right. we go. <clears throat> so question one. Um, which also, if you just Google <laughs> Christmas movie trivia, I'm pretty sure all of these are from the top result. But, but... I'm not going to cheat. <laughs> I'm not the kind of person. Yeah, don't cheat at home either. Play yeah, along. Yeah, if you're playing at home, put your phone <laughs> away. Well, wait, if you're listening to us on your phone, don't put your phone away. Yeah. Well, be... like, don't look at the screen. That'd be, yeah, but that'd be counterproductive. Yeah, just, just keep going. I digress. <clears throat> all right. <laughs> so, in 1983's A Christmas Story. Uh-huh. What is the name of the child who gets their tongue stuck to the pole? Flick? That is correct. <laughs> God, still pressure. I yeah. hate trivia. Um, <laughs> Brain doesn't work that way. That one's tough. Like, I, like, because we played this at work, actually, mm-hmm. so um, I had to, like, go through, like, the scenes in my mind, like, okay. I only know, like, the main character, though. Like, yeah. Ralphie. Yeah. It's about- um, that's not on my list, but what's the brother's name? I don't remember. I watch oh. it every year. Oh, I... And I don't remember. Yeah. You don't remember? I watch it every stinking year on Christmas Day. <laughs> Randy. Randy, that's right. Yeah. Every stinking day. How do I not remember that? Yeah. All right. Well, I got an extra one in there. There you yeah, go. Thanks. Okay. So, in the 2003 film Elf, what was the first rule of the Code of the Elves? Don't talk about Elf Club. No. <laughs> be happy, be jolly. No, so you may remember, I don't like, remember that part. Before the. What is that? See this random bopping sound outside. Yeah. Cut that part out. Okay, I'll cut this part out. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> um, but yeah, you, you may remember the scene where, you know, he's sitting in the classroom in the tiny little yes. desk and they're going. Before we get to uh, yeah. how we make graphic chip processors yes you know let's recite the code of the elves what is it so the first code of the elves is to treat every day like christmas oh people mess up and say like uh you know it's the um you know the best way to spread christmas cheer yeah. is singing loud for all to hear yeah but that's not the first code of the elves that's thank you for that educational moment cameron <clears throat> all right <laughs> are you a big elf fan I, I do watch it a lot. I have not watched it yet this season. I have a lot of catch up. I've been I've been working. I've been trying to prepare okay. for this winter classic trip I'm putting sure. together for three hundred people. All right. So <sighs> also an elf. Oh God. What is the make and model number of the five hundred reindeer powered jet turbine engine that powers Santa's sleigh? Oh son of a bitch. <laughs> sleigh two thousand? I don't know. You're close. Surprisingly, <laughs> um, it's the Kringle three thousand. Kringle three thousand. <laughs> I was on the right track. You were. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is really bad. People are going to hate me. In the 1946 film, It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, my Life, God. Do you, do you like It's a Wonderful Life? I hardly ever watch it, honestly. Okay. What is the name of the town that George Bailey lives in? Like, this is a pretty simple question if you're familiar with the movie. I have not watched a movie in years. Oh. It's a classic movie. I know it's a classic, but I don't tend to care for classics. Yeah. Hate it, me. I'm sorry. Well... The reason I remember this question is... Just on your phone? Well, yes. <laughs> but also, when you go into, like, the Hallmark store, all the little Christmas Village things, uh-huh. at least when I was a kid, all of them were themed around... Dickens? Uh, <laughs> all the little Christmas Village things were themed around uh, It's a Wonderful Life, and so we'd buy them for my grandma. So what's the name of the town? Bedford Falls. 
Okay, that's great. There you go. Okay. Give me Christmas Vacation. I probably can nail it all. Jeez. In the 1990 film Home Alone, okay. what is the name of the pizza place Kevin and his family order Little from? Little Nero's. That is correct. And the car shows up every year for Home Alone in concert with the Nashville Symphony. <laughs> all right. Also in Home Alone, how much does all the pizza at the beginning of the film cost? $122.50. That is correct. Bam! <laughs> You, you closed out the segment strong. I'll there we go. See, to the to the sense. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, because those are those are very specific and nuanced questions right there. Okay, I got one right for there. you then. Home okay. alone. Okay. Mm-hmm. What does Kevin McAllister call the two thieves when he's trying to get them to chase him? It is a part of an animal. Um, the horses, you horses asses. Or yes. Something. Yeah. <laughs> and so what's funny about this. So I'll digress a little bit, but we yeah. do this every year for the National Symphony. They do it in concert. Mm-hmm. So they perform John Williams' score for Home Alone while the yeah. movie's shown on the big screen. And what is hilarious is that, remember, folks, PG ratings for movies were a little bit different back in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> yes, they were. And so you, could, you have a lot more language in PG yeah. movies back then, like saying, damn it, and hell, and horse's ass, and, yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that back then. And what's funny is parents bring their kids that are maybe six, seven, eight years old yeah. to this concert, completely forgetting the language that's in Home Alone. It's like, I want my child to experience it like I did when I was a kid. And then they get all uppity and upset. <laughs> well, and then they, you hear the shock of the, <gasps> the, I forgot this language is in this movie, and now my child's going to use it. And that's happened before. I've seen people tweet about it. It's like, I showed my kid Home Alone, and now he calls me a horse's ass. <laughs> So, my favorite uh, <laughs> PG film with, like, a scene that's obviously not PG in the in the original Ghostbusters. Oh, wow. Uh. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd sees a ghost woman flying above him, and then she disappears, and then all you see is his belt buckle come undone, his zipper <laughs> open, and then they go to his face and his eyes cross. Yeah. <laughs> so, there is a ghost blowjob <laughs> in a PG movie. PG BJ. <laughs> Oh, man. Speaking of Ghostbusters. Yes. How about that trailer for Afterlife? So, I saw somebody talk about how, you know, um, like Stranger Things, for example. Right. It's, you know, the reason it's so successful is because it reminds us of previous movies and, like, you know, they're, you know, Mm -hmm. basically responding and dwelling on that nostalgia element and, you know... Good or bad, that's what they're doing. And I like I like Stranger Things. It's so, popular right now, yeah. too. Nostalgia, obviously. Yes. Um, so, they're inspired by previous movies. And now, previous movies are inspired by that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they're in this tiny little town. And now, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, it's interesting to see. A tiny little town where they obviously did mining. Mining that helped build the building in New York City. Huh. Is that what it didn't is? Didn't pick up on that, did you? No. The little thing where they flash to it. Yeah. It's the same, the, people, the person, the architect, I don't want to spoil everything, obviously, yeah. but the architect that designed that building in New York City, the, the tower, yeah. that was the same owner of that land. Interesting. So, and so that's, that's what's interesting to me, is that the, this movie is going, the, the fact that we actually have Ghostbusters canon is yeah. hilarious to me, but they're making it fit within canon, that's which is cool. pretty cool to, to bring the story along, and people on, to complain about the, the dang trailer. Why did they show these people? Why did they show these people? It's a teaser. Yeah. All the people that are alive and not retired 
from the original Ghostbusters at least are making an appearance because they're credited. Yeah. Which, that's all we really need to tie it together because yeah. I'm fine with it. You're bringing along, like Star Wars, which we'll talk about, tying things together. You can't have all these senior citizens doing Ghostbusters. So it's got to get passed on. If you want the story to live on, yeah. to pass the baton, you got to do it the right way. So this is an interesting take on it, and I'm very curious. Yeah. This you, as well. You can't make the same movie as The Force Awakens taught us. Right. Like, you but you know. can make a lot of money if you do. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> so I see what, is, what I'm excited about, too, is that they saw that they have an opportunity to tie these things together. Yeah. And um, I like that Paul Rudd's in it as well. Yeah. Because people complain, well, it looks too serious. I'm like, Paul Rudd is in it. <laughs> Not only that, like, different trailers do oh, different yeah. things. Like, there's going to be a slapstick trailer, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And the thing with Paul Rudd is he's become an action person, but it's a com- comedic action. Yeah. Which is exactly kind of what Ghostbusters is. It's sci-fi comedy. Yeah. Is what it became. So I'm totally... I think Paul Rudd is a great fit. Just off the bat of thinking of who would be a good actor to have in this that can take it seriously and have those moments, but also have comedy in general just based on the way he can be. Yeah. I'm good with that. Yep. So, but anyways, I didn't mean to digress from our, our outline of <clears throat> discussion topics. No, no, that's good. <laughs> um, Lots so, of trailers coming yeah. out. Obviously, Christmas season... Preparing us for the summer holiday season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you think of the uh, the uh, uh, Top Gun trailer? I'm excited. Are you? As soon as that note hit. <laughs> I mean, we've all seen it on computers. Yeah. But when you see it on the big screen, yeah. which is the kind of screen that a Top Gun is made for, mm-hmm. but the boom, it's just like... <laughs> but what I've noticed, too, is that on Facebook and Instagram, they've seen a lot of uh, watch behind the scenes of how this trailer was made or from shooting the film, and they have eight IMAX cameras in the cockpit. Really? It's like, imagine with technology nowadays, because they're obviously not wanting to CGI. Yeah. They want to use real jets, real planes, real things to have real footage. And so the technology nowadays, what this film has the potential to be for this, is pretty awesome, the types of footage you're going to be able to capture with it. Yeah. Just based on the types of cameras they have that you can place, where you couldn't do that in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited that they've... Made him into a teacher, and then ends with he like like he's a tester for a new type yeah. of travel as well. So it's, I'm very excited and curious. I'm just glad that they're doing it. Yeah, for sure. Because it's been demanded for how many years? Yeah, <laughs> we get another one. <laughs> um. Well, let's talk about the holidays in general. Like, okay. are there anything you're looking forward to over the holidays? Anything? Any like traditions you're looking to take part in? Um. If those those of you that didn't listen to our latest Honey Box Radio Live, I'm making a tradition now to read The Golden Girls Night Before Christmas. Yeah. Um, so that can be found online and everything as well, because that's a fun tradition. Last year I sipped whiskey in front of the fireplace while reading it, and this year I did it online. It's not online, but on air. Yeah. Live. So trying to make that a tradition. And the big thing for me usually is, is always going to my parents' house for Christmas Eve and having Christmas Eve dinner there mm-hmm. um, and bring Alex and her sister along. As well, and we each get to open a gift. That's mm-hmm. always been the Christmas Eve tradition. I think a yeah. lot of families do that. We eat one gift, uh, open on Christmas Eve, but always doing that, and then going and looking at lights, driving around looking at lights, and then coming home, and then Alex will go to sleep, and then I'll stuff her stockings nice. while she's in bed, and so she'll wake up first, and then Is that sleep. a euphemism? No, <laughs> God, I knew it as soon as I said it too. <laughs> no. But- she always wakes up before goes to bed before me and wakes up before me, so I want to make sure I stuff the stocking over the mantle. <laughs> After she goes to bed, I'll stuff to... her stockings. I'm... God! 
Um, but she has some fun stuff, and then yeah, we'll have brunch that morning. And nice. Oh, it's uh, the thing is, as I'm sure you know, as a as a newly married fellow, Mm -hmm. that you create new traditions when you're with someone. Yeah, and that's what it's kind of all about is trying to find those things to create new traditions. That's what I'm looking forward to. It's it's difficult for me. I'll admit. Yeah, is I am I'm an only child. I am kind of I'm stuck in my ways. I'm stubborn and everything. So it has been difficult for me to find new traditions, and I fully admit that that has been tough for me. You a so. control freak? No way. <laughs> but um, but I'm trying. Yeah, and that's what's important. I think is that I'm trying. I'm trying to do these things. Well, like this is the first year ever where I'm like my parents aren't in the mm-hmm. same town I live in. So like <clears throat> it's interesting because they just moved back to California. Um, Steph and I went to Chicago for Thanksgiving. We're going to Dallas for New Year's. So I'm not really getting, like, we were like, we can't really go anywhere. Like, we're traveling too much anyway. So we're staying home for Christmas. And, you know, we kind of don't know what we're going to do yet, even. Like, we're going to have dinner (laughs) and, like... (laughs) And pack. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, So it's going to be pretty low-key. We might have a few other, you know, in quote orphans who don't have anybody in town uh-huh. to like uh, spend time with but um i'm probably gonna make prime rib oh. so i believe that's what we're having actually for dinner and christmas eve nice yeah meat yes good meat yeah i think i'm gonna do sous vide prime rib i've been looking oh, at youtube man. videos about it oh man yeah yeah that's nice sous vide prime rib <laughs> gotta say it in that voice because it's sexy that's the good meat <laughs> yeah no i've been i've been watching some youtube videos about that so um that's what i'm looking forward to so what's one of your favorite holiday memories from growing up holiday memories so something that stands out up. to you where you're like you know i always look back at this makes me laugh smile or shake my head one of those things um so like when i was <laughs> you this, got one this ties in with traditions when i was like three years old like it's one of the earliest memories i have i, I was probably older, older than that but when i was basically a toddler um my grandfather dressed up like santa claus mm-hmm. and hand delivered a um vhs copy of a muppet christmas carol <laughs> to our door and like <laughs> my parents instructed us not to get too close just because if we got close enough like we could obviously tell <laughs> don't get too close you know what kind of diseases those reindeer carry <laughs> So he drops off the uh, the video and doesn't say a word, which I remember thinking was odd. But, you know, I'm also a kid. Like, you know, who knows? Um, so, like, <laughs> every year since then, we watched um, A Muppet Christmas Carol when we trimmed the tree on uh-huh. Christmas Eve. And I love that movie, <clears throat> but I am so ready to not watch that movie this holiday season because it's been 30 years of watching it twice, and I could do that movie verbatim. <laughs> I watch movies that I do verbatim. Yeah. Home Alone's one of them. I'm ready to take some time off and watch other movies. And uh, You need a break. I need a break. I understand that. My tradition is, though, <laughs> I don't watch A Christmas Story until Christmas Eve, when it's the 24 hours of A Christmas Story, and then I just fade in as it goes i do the same thing on christmas day with that yeah i wait till christmas day i do not watch before then yeah well it starts christmas eve and right. then goes into, goes christmas, into christmas day, day. yeah so i yeah. wait till christmas day to watch it yeah, yeah. and that that policy is a little easier to follow 
but the the multiple times of a Muppet Christmas Carol, I'm burnt out. I, uh, I with Home Alone, Alex and I were watching it, and I'm reciting lines before they happen. Yeah, and I'm starting to giggle before yeah. things happen, like the, when the robbers are about to get pummeled by something, I start laughing before it happens. Because yeah. I'm just looking forward to them like, how can he not laugh? It's hilarious because they should be dead. Yeah. <laughs> or broken bones or broken necks. As I've gotten older watching that movie, every adult in Home Alone is horrible. They're awful. Yeah. What's the uncle's name? Frank. Uncle Frank is a, is a dick. Piece, he's a piece of shit. He is. He's an asshole. <laughs> like... Of all of them, he's the worst. Um, Look what you did, you little jerk! Yeah. Fuck off, Frank. <laughs> if I were if I were Kevin's dad, I'd take a look at Frank and I'd say, "Hey, Frank, take a good look around this place. This is the last time you're ever going to be here." That's his brother. <laughs> yes, get the hell out of my house, Frank. Jeez. Every time, it's always Frank stealing stuff on the plane. Yeah, terrible, terrible. Can't believe that. Terrible. Could have done better. Basically, I can't believe you did that. You just stole crystal salt and pepper shakers, Frank. Yeah. Is that real crystal? Ding, 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 ding. Is that real? Although in Home Alone 2, him singing in the shower is probably the funniest scene. Well, I mean, it does help Kevin out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it helps out a little bit. But yeah, it's it's terrible. Can you imagine? And apparently they're going to try to rehash this movie. Really? Like Because of Disney Plus, they're going to try to redo it somehow. They're going to have to be very creative because the whole point back then was you couldn't get a hold of them. Yeah. You can't get to the house because the phone lines are down, everything's down. What is an yeah. e-bomb gonna go off? <laughs> E-bombs world? Oh God, no! <laughs> no, but, but for real, like they're gonna have to do it because Home Alone three, you could tell they're getting into the technology era. Yeah, because it was a kid that was homesick. Yes, and everything, which is very different. He's trying to do it on his own to protect his neighbors. Yeah, so it's it's and which Home Alone three yeah. just does not count in canon at all. Yeah, for me, um, I haven't watched it recently, but I remember not hating it. I mean, it was okay, but it's one of those things that wasn't as you could also tell, and this is where people are getting a little more sensitive yeah. on things because there wasn't as much slapstick yeah. in it. And I could tell, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with being sensitive. I'm saying you could tell that society changed in what was allowable in a PG movie. Yeah, like no no spikes through the feet or anything like that. Or to the crotch or yeah. lighting a person's head on fire or things like that. You could tell that things had changed yeah. uh, <laughs> because they wanted to keep it a PG movie. That was the importance of it to be a family yeah. film and be PG yeah. Um, for instance, I remember when I would go up to uh, my aunt and uncle's in Canada and stay with them for a week or two sometimes during Christmas break. And we, one time it was winter time and we were going to see the birdcage. Mm-hmm. So in Canada, the birdcage was only rated PG. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. was rated R when it came out because of the topics that it covered as well. And some of the language and everything. But I thought it was hilarious. It was two rating points difference between countries based on values and everything. Interesting. It was very interesting. You know what movie I'm talking about, right? No. With Robin Williams and Nathan Lane no. taking place in Miami. No. And they're, they're, the daughters wanting to get, the son and daughter wanting to get married. But then the son's father is actually like a senator. And it's, they're dealing with, like, cross-dressers. They do this. You have no idea what I'm talking about. No. Folks, if you've heard of The Birdcage, please tweet me. <laughs> this is, it's, it's a hilarious movie. And it's one of those things that was kind of early for its time. But it's Robin Williams being Robin Williams, um, but playing a gay man. <laughs> so I had to check on this just to be sure. There uh-huh. is Home Alone 4, Taking Back the House, which came out in 2002, 
I would assume it was straight to video. Straight to video. Uh, It's not even on streaming services. Yeah, Kevin McAllister, played by Mike Weinberg, is upset that his parents got divorced. Worse yet, things are heating up between his father Peter and his love interest Natalie. Uh, Forced to choose where to celebrate Christmas, uh, Kevin begrudgingly decides to go to Natalie's mansion where the guests include a foreign royal family. (laughs) This movie sounds awful. That's why it doesn't exist, really. No. Because they, they said Kevin McAllister still, yeah. too? Yeah. They used the name? Yeah. they they. It's the same character, just recast. His parents got divorced, which, you know, watching the first two, it's such a shock that, you know, that family dynamic didn't work out. You hate to see it. <laughs> Honestly, I think, uh, I think that should be maintained as canon going into any other future films. If they're divorced? Yeah. Well, apparently the house is for sale. Oh, is it? Again, but the inside. So, it was. Uh, this was on like a Netflix series <laughs> of how the movie's made or something. Yeah. It's a, um, well, obviously a very popular film. John, yeah. It's a John Hughes film. Yeah. That most of the stuff, all the indoor parts, were actually filmed on a set that yeah. was built in the high school gymnasium of the high school they used to film all of his 80s films. Interesting. All those coming-of-age high school movies. Yeah. So, kind of neat. And that was an extremely low-budget film. Yeah. Home Alone. My favorite thing to do with my wife, who is from Chicago, and she's from, like, the, you know, Logan Square, like, Chicago, mm-hmm. Chicago. Chicago. Any movie that takes place in the Chicago suburbs, I'm like, oh, is this where you grew up? <laughs> did, <laughs> did you live down the street from here? <laughs> no! No! <laughs> Because, like, you know, people in Rockford, which is, like, basically three hours away, are like, yeah, I'm from Chicago. Right. (laughs) No, it doesn't count. No. It doesn't count. Also, okay, it's completely changing subjects, but we're speaking of Chicago. Yeah. Remember the Winter Classic that was at Notre Dame Stadium, right? Yes. Between Boston and Chicago. Yeah. Two original six teams. In Indiana. In northern Indiana, which is still very much the Chicago market for terms of hockey, right? Yeah. Northern Indiana is definitely a Blackhawks market. Yeah. Just like Southern Wisconsin is definitely a Blackhawks market until you get west enough for it to be the wild market. Yeah. Just the natural way that it goes. Sure. But it was interesting, and we'll see if this person listens to our podcast, but on Facebook, someone was saying, well, why should, they should have a Winter Classic at Bristol Stadium, or Bristol Speedway. Hockey's really growing out here. I think it'd be really successful. Okay. So... Remember they had the football game there between Tennessee and Virginia Tech, right? Correct. Huge. 200,000 people, right? Yeah. College football in the South, yeah. right? Football sta- a football field is 100 yards plus your end zones, right? Yeah. Okay. Remember how small that looked? Yes. In there? And you look at a picture of it, and you basically have the big American flag covering like 20 to 20 yard lines. Yeah. That's the size of an ice hockey rink in a football stadium that goes from 20-yard line to 20-yard line. Okay? That means you have... 40 yards plus yeah. end zones, so you have almost another football field yeah. on the ends, combine the two there. So imagine putting a hockey rink in Bristol Motor Speedway. Yeah. The I, best seats would still need binoculars. You wouldn't be able to even read the numbers. No. Well, it could be, it would, it would, it would probably, 200,000 people watch hockey, 200,000 people yeah. are not going to go to Bristol. No. Well, it's only a four and a half hour drive from Nashville. Exactly. And it's also a four and a half hour drive from Raleigh. Mm-hmm. And it's not near anything. No. It is not a big metro area like Dallas. It is not original six teams. Yeah. I could see them doing it at Neyland Stadium maybe someday, but even Decades. that's a stretch. Decades. It's got to yeah. be in Nashville. Why would you ha- yeah. Why would you not have it 
in your metro area. Notre Dame Stadium also has so much history that they're able to play on and bank on with it being Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah. Touchdown Jesus. Plus yeah. the thing, whole thing of how many Catholics are from Boston and Chicago. Mm-hmm. The, the, the whole Irish heritage in both of those cities yeah. is extremely strong. There's connections to those. That's why it was successful there and it sold yeah. well. Then the reason why Na- the the, Na- the <clears throat> Dallas Nashville one is selling so well is because it's different. Yeah, it's in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl between two Southern Market teams. Yeah, Bristol is not does not have enough. You're not going to get race fans out to it. You get some, but you're not going to get two hundred thousand of them. Just interesting. Yeah, Chicago makes sense. I don't think the Predators will participate in another Winter Classic, at least not for a good long time. New stadiums are And it's going to be way difficult for them to host it just because they don't have that dream venue. you got to have the MLS Stadium. Yeah. It would be perfect for a stadium series. Yeah. Perfect for it because 35,000, right? I think that's the size of the capacity. Yeah. 35,000 is perfect because you don't have to worry about, oh, God, how are we going to sell 80,000 tickets for this? 35,000 is perfect for a game that is not national TV per se, New Year's Day, but still a very special weekend game between you and a, and a rival in your division. Mm-hmm. That could be great. 35000 and then the venue, perfect size too, because the way it's built, it's good sight lines. Mm-hmm. So I think Stadium Series, once that opens, would be very, very well received. And you have that between like Nashville and St. Louis, Nashville, Chicago, mm-hmm. something like that. Could be yeah. fun. Yeah, I mean, overall, the idea of hosting something like that, like, you know, have... The Hurricanes and the Predators well, play, too, yeah. like, play like in like Bristol. Like it sounds like a match made in heaven if they were, you know, the larger fan bases of the right. of the league. But they're just not, and that's okay. Yeah, like that's not a knock against either of those. It's not a hundred years of history following no. them. Yeah. And again, that's not a knock. It's just a hundred years means how many generations of fans do you have? Yeah. It takes time to grow. Yeah. You think 50 years from now they're going to be more Predators fans? Yes! Yeah. Like, <laughs> just now we're getting to, like, we just got to the point where, um, you know, fans remember the Predators always being here. Right. Like, there's those younger fans who can buy season tickets now where they don't remember a time without takes, the Predators. Takes two generations. Yeah. But that's just now happening. Yeah. And we're at the point now where Nashville's a marketable hockey town because you have things like the college hockey showcase you have things about the nwh all-star game you have the all-star game the stanley cup final help but it takes time for those things to happen you can't just just rush into things because it does come down to money yeah. would the nhl lose a lot of money by having something at bristol yep mm-hmm. they would and i'm sorry it's like and it was it, i just stopped arguing because it became an argument that i knew i was not going to turn the person's head because they were so dead set on yeah bristol could totally do it the fans couldn't, though. No, no one would be able to see. Yeah. It is a motor speedway. And it's massive. I mean, even at a football stadium, you know, people that have never experienced a Winter Classic or Stadium Series at a football stadium, they're going to be complaining because there's some people that want front row seats. You're only going to be able to see um, chest up of players. Yeah. It's just the way it's laid out. Not only that, the glass like causes light refraction, and that's going to ruin <laughs> some does. sidelines if you're not up above it. Right. It's about the experience, not yeah. about being able to view it all the time. I'm not expecting to have a good view of the game, and that's fine. No. You're going to have a, a fun, neat, unique experience you can talk yep. about, and that's what it's about to help grow the game. To see this going to be the second most attended Winter Classic in history yeah. is pretty big when the big one was at the big house yeah. between Toronto and Detroit. I mean, two yeah. original six teams when it was freaking snowing outside, temperature at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Yeah. 
and I would say it's just as a respectable venue. It's like not in a wintry area, but it's a classic, classic Southern football stadium. Exactly, with history tied to it. Yeah, with the fairgrounds, which are allowing tailgating, yeah. and the, they're going to open part of the midway and everything. That's yeah. what you want. That's the experience. There's the romanticism surrounding the venue, and yes. that's not something Nashville can provide. Because no. Vanderbilt's not going. Vanderbilt need a new stadium. Yeah. And that's not going to happen because we know Vanderbilt Athletics are like, eh, I'm, eh. that's the response you get from Vanderbilt Athletics when it comes to anything. Do you want a Division One hockey team? Which is interesting because I think they really could and they could be competitive because a lot of the Vanderbilt students come from other areas. From the north. Yeah, which is why their fan base struggles so much because the fans aren't here. Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal because private schools are great for college hockey. There's yeah. so many private schools that do well in college hockey because you're able to attract those types of players. One, it takes money to be able to play hockey. We all know that. Mm-hmm. It is a sport that struggles with being available to everyone. It's not like soccer where all you need is a ball. Yeah. You don't even need a basket or a net. You can make anything a net for a goal. You just need a ball. Hockey needs equipment, and it takes equipment, so I get it. But that's where you try to provide and try to grow it. And it's going to happen in the South. We're going to see it happen eventually in the South. But Vanderbilt's had their opportunities, I'm sure. And I'm sure Alabama's going to get their opportunities in Georgia as well. I'd love to see those places. But who knows? No. Anyways, road trip. Yeah, we're going to Dallas. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm actually... Are, are you driving or flying? I'm flying. You lucky bastard. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Gover and I are driving a Ford Expedition that I've rented. Nice. Down hauling a shit ton of goodie bags mm-hmm. and games, including cornhole boards and giant Connect Four and giant Jenga. Yeah. Well, you won't have to bring <clears throat> any of that back. Some of it that's left off to bring back the cornhole board, the Jenga, the Connect Four, and whatever leftover goodie bags we have. All right. Uh, Are you going to bring Toss Across? No. I would really like to play Toss Across. No. <laughs> no, I'll give you a lawn dart. <laughs> Okay, so we're, for those that don't know, we're hosting this big sold-out New Year's Eve party at the, the Marriott yeah. in Dallas and everything, and so we have a DJ. If you were to think predulated now and turn off your third-man records bias okay, as much as you can, sure. what song, after Old Lang Syne is played at midnight, what song would be a fun one to open up the new year? Open up the new year. Hmm. That would be that Preds fans would appreciate. That Preds fans would appreciate. Well, definitely not Gary Glitter. No, oh god, no. <laughs> but think, I mean, would it be gold on the ceiling? Um, <clears throat> would it be like it, love it? I like it, I love it. <laughs> that one could be. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm sure people would love if you did. Uh, got friends in low places. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Although, I think we're going to get hit over the head with so much country stuff from the Winter Classic. Like, yeah, it's, it's going to be painful at that point. I mean, unless you're a country fan. Like, a true, yeah. a real country fan. See, I'm, like, you know... I, I like a lot of country. Yeah. People in Nashville love to talk crap about country because it's what Nashville's known for. So, I want to disassociate myself from that because then I'm not... that I'm not like the other girls. Like... I don't like bro country, though. Yeah. I really do like country music. Well, I grew up in a farming town in California, and so, like, I love Alan Jackson. I mm-hmm. love Garth Brooks. Like, I love all those, like, 90s throwback. Like, That's why I love that channel on Sirius XM. Yeah. 
Prime Country, which right now is Country Christmas. <laughs> nice. Which I'm good with that as well. Yeah. Because a tender Tennessee Christmas, <clears throat> oh, right in the feels. Speaking of Country Christmas, <laughs> she gravitates more. Like, okay. We need less bro country uh-huh. and more Casey Musgraves style yes. artists. Yeah. I bought the Casey Musgraves album, the Christmas album, and it is awesome. She is amazing. She is beautiful. She can sing, and she seems really down to earth. I'm she really it. is into her music. Like she, yeah. loves the music. Yeah, you can tell. And she really can do both. She has very song, like very poppy songs. Like it's not country at all. Right. And then she's got really country songs. Yeah. And she. She toes that line perfectly. Well, I mean, shoot, she doesn't do it with Willie. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't have any songs about um, jeans painted on skin tight going down an old dirt road up in my truck. Nothing like that. God, it's like 17 songs right there. <laughs> <laughs> Those lyrics are involved in how many songs in today's country radio. That is insane. No, but for real, I do kind of like the Friends in Low Places yeah. thing. I mean, and, and you say he's just a friend because that would be fitting for New Year's Eve. That would be too. I, I think at that point, people are going to be a little bit sloppy. <laughs> you got to go for the sing-along. It's oh, yeah. got to be a sing-along. Okay, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely right. Even though we're hoping people don't get sloppy. It's yeah. a family-friendly party. They're, they're feeling good. But people are going to feel... Hopefully, I just want them to feel good. Mm-hmm. Feel good. Because, I mean, the party's going from 9 to 1. Yeah. So... And hopefully, hopefully people remember, they got to get up early and go to the game the next day. Yeah. Like, it is not a 7 o'clock game. It is a... Mm. You should be there by yeah. 10, 10.30. No, once the ball drops, I'm doing the Irish goodbye. I'm sneaking out the back door, not saying goodbye to anybody. <laughs> so just be prepared for that. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I mean, it's the kind of thing for me, too, where I'm going to be like, well, first of all, the media gets to skate. On the ice that evening, yeah. and the party starts at nine. And that media skate goes from seven to eight, so I'm going to be hustling. Mm-hmm. Get back to the hotel. Things are already pretty much set though, which is great. I need to learn like photography or something so I can BS my way into a credential. <laughs> <laughs> photography or something. Not to disparage photographers, I know a lot of skill goes into it, but like you know, let me. I mean, yeah. you could be media. You just got to watch your opinions. <laughs> I'm surprised you're making that joke at this moment. I don't know what to say to that without getting us in trouble. <laughs> the look on your face, I just want to see. I just wanted to see what your reaction would be like. I mean, we better end this conversation. Or we're going to get blocked on Twitter. <laughs> okay, so the Prince had a successful four-game road trip, mm-hmm. including back-to-back wins against the New York teams. They sure did. And a point against Ottawa. And an overtime win against Boston. And it was great. The team looked fantastic. <laughs> I love everything about the way the Predators are playing right now. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I but, think the lineup decisions are perfect. Camera! <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> but if we were looking, because a lot of these players said that it was a season-defining road trip. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, no, I think um, I think this is exactly the way they need to play. I think um, Laviolette coming out and saying, you know, he talked a little bit about effort, and um, I forget what the quote was exactly, but I think it really lit a fire under this team. And, you know, it really just goes to show 
you know, this team does have the talent and they do have all the tools they need. They just need to go out and execute and be in the right state of mind. And when they are, they, they get it done. Like the third period against Ottawa. Yeah. Like they were able to come back from being down 4-1 to one yeah. and force it to at least earn a point. Because in a trap game, we all, everyone, even they knew it was a trap game, and they still allowed it to happen. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I think, you know, early on in the season when the team was doing really well, they were going down and then battling back and winning anyway. And I don't think that's a long-term plan for success. God, no. And it seems like they're kind of getting back to the point where they're on the right side of that same type of thing. And, but mm. at the end of the day, when you are able to accomplish that, you know, you did at the beginning, now you're doing it again. It probably is a state of mind thing. If you're in the right state of mind and you can accomplish those things, well, stay in that state of mind. But They know they have the talent. Like you said, it's about execution. They yeah. know as a team they have the talent to do this any night. Yeah. Any yep. night they go in. And they Boston's been struggling, but they're still a really good team at home. And even though they have eight overtime shootout losses. So Boston is now 12-1-8 and eight at home. What kind of freaking record is that? <laughs> that either know. you win... In regulation, or you lose in overtime. Like you, you, they're getting points. They're getting a point yeah. here, point here, point here. But imagine they've left now uh, six. Uh, sorry, eight points on the board from losing in regulation or, or losing overtime or shootout, and they're zero and five in the shootout on the season. Boston's just awful after regulation, so the Nashville had a good opportunity to take advantage of that. But the thing too is they still have a lot to work on. And we're seeing that as well. That the offense and well, the defensive scoring has bailed them out a lot. Roman Yossi has bailed this team out a lot, yeah. especially in the road trip. Roman Yossi bailed the team out a lot by owning it. I mean, he he is in the Norris conversation right now, as he absolutely should be, because of what he's been able to do for this team and lead this team. Whereas sometimes you see players get comfortable after contract signings, even though his new contract isn't even kicking in yet, <laughs> but. Him able to put the team on his back and score like he's been able to do has been absolutely huge for them. But there's still issues with goaltending that have been inconsistent. Whereas it'll be one really, really good game and then one game you're like, ugh. Yeah. What's happening here? How, do, how could you have a shutout or have you know one where you allowed one goal in 30 shots and then you go and allow four in 20? So some of those issues with consistency because it looks like we're trending more towards a 1A, 1B situation, which is totally fine. To yeah. make sure that one, Saros gets more consistent starts, and two, Pecorina gets rest. Both of those things go hand in hand with having a 1A, 1B, but it's figuring this out of what's going to be the bread and butter and to be the most successful for this team because goaltending has been an issue so far yeah. for this club. Um, just looking at the calendar in December, um, against San Jose, they gave up one goal. Against the Rangers, they gave up two goals. Everything, everything else is three or more goals. Mm -hmm. You know, So two games aside, they're above three goals right which is not the pace you want to be on and that just ties back into you know creating that consistency like you know you can overcome it if you're setting your mind to things and playing perfectly other than that but you know you need a little bit more consistency mm -hmm. from a defensive perspective or you're gonna lose yeah you know yeah <clears throat> and uh, need to get matt duchene going yeah um he got a point the other game uh, an assist which was a good assist that he was able to get, and then get Mikhail Gudeinland going again. He's hopefully healthy. But you can tell he's missing some time. Victor Arvidsson being healthy, so that's good if the team's getting healthy. Mm -hmm. Then adding to the mix, you've had Yakov Trenin, which I think had a good call-up. He shows that he's physical, but still willing to be a power forward and go to the net, which is important that mm -hmm. you have to have a different skill aside from just being a, power, being a power guy or energy guy, but he actually will drive to the net and try to create space 
and he is willing to hit someone and to take a hit and to do whatever it takes. Same thing with Colin Blackwell, mm-hmm. getting an opportunity to go out and create space, but also drive to the net and not just be a guy throwing his body around, being a guy that has a side to where he can make himself available for plays or try to make a pass or be productive to the offensive side of the puck. This is Benino's third season with the Predators, right? Mm-hmm. What's going like? Because I looking at him this season, I don't feel like it's an accident. He's doing what he's doing. You know, I don't feel like he's just walking into these things. I feel like he's just playing really smart. Like this is what we expected out of him. Yeah, I don't think he's necessarily a spectacular player, but he's going out and executing exactly what he should. I'm gonna get the puck in that zone. I'm gonna battle hard, and I'm gonna be right in front of the net. So yeah. if there's you know, a rebound or a good pass made or anything like that, it's going in the back of the net. And he's doing that on a consistent basis. And when he goes out and executes it, it looks like he can do it every time. And he will, he'll regress sometime. Yeah. It's just natural. But what he's doing right now is what was expected out of him when he was signed as the number two center. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though he's not playing that role. But he's yeah. responsible defensively as well, which is what's so important in the role that he's playing is he's responsible in the defensive end mm-hmm. and then also able to push it back because he's had some creative looks as well in that he's really shifty with the puck, especially in the deep part of the zone, behind the net, right in front of the net, um, below the dots. Those areas, he's really, really shifty. And that's what you want out of that kind of center, that he's a yeah. good, strong, he's a two-way forward, a true two-way center. Yeah. I I guess I, what I mean is, like, where did this come from? Because He's always had it. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like this is what he would do as long as he's perfectly healthy and put in the right yes. scenario. Yes, because his first year, remember, he was coming off injury. He had a surgery. Yeah. He was wearing a boot yeah. when he was signed. I mean... <laughs> yeah. So he's coming off injury. He didn't even get to participate in camp. Yeah. So it just nothing clicked. You yeah. can tell. You can chalk that first season up to, you know, not having proper, like, conditioning going into the season. Second season, you know, just trying to find... Where he fit. Yeah, mentally also coming back from a scenario like that must be tough. And then mm-hmm. I guess it's all just clicking this season. It's clicking. I mean, think about how successful he was when he's part of the HBK line with yeah. Pittsburgh. Well, so. he doesn't score another goal this year. And you look back at, at his stat sheet mm-hmm. for this season, and you're like, oh, Benino did exactly what you don't for this season. Yeah, yeah. You know. That, which is crazy to think that. And they yeah. still have over half a season to go. With Roman Yossi, he's two goals away from his career high and still half over half a season ago. Yeah. So it's it's interesting with some players. Rocco Grimaldi already set a career high. Mm-hmm. And I really have enjoyed his play because you can tell sometimes the difference in players playing for contracts sometimes mm-hmm. that he's still playing for his right to earn a contract. Yeah. With the way he's very tenacious in the forecheck, and I've liked how him with Benino out there as well. Um, and Smith finally getting rewarded for some of his hard work. Too mm-hmm. so it's been curious to see a lot of that. But Grimaldi, I've liked his game, and not saying he deserved to be in the top six, but right now he can he's a filler, a great filler if they do have an injury or an illness or something, because you know at least he's gonna hustle, he's gonna get to the neck, he's gonna forecheck, and he does have some skill because some of the moves that he's been able to pull off before and utilize his body ha- have been great. So I, I like him where he's playing because he can shift anywhere in the top nine and still not be a liability, mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you want to have your higher-skilled players in there, but it's, again, a fill-in situation. But he does so well, I think, on third line, that a third line has that true ability to be offensive, but also be responsible defensive end. Because how many times have we seen Grimaldi poke check? I mean, the Subban one yeah. was right there, yeah. the perfect opportunity where he chipped it away from Subban and went into the breakaway goal. Mm-hmm. So, see more out of that from that line, I like that. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. They've got the game against Arizona, then a home and home with Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and I think that's it. For the Winter Classic, yeah. yeah. And a home and home Pittsburgh, sweet, getting that done in two days, <coughs> the whole series, and then the new look Coyotes. Yeah. Taylor Hall. Yeah. Phil Kessel. All right. Well, for time's sake, I think it's time to move on to, to a Star Wars. Okay. So, spoiler alert. If you have not seen Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, please stop listening now and then continue listening after you've seen the movie. Yeah. We are about to discuss The Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. which will include mega, mega, mega spoilers. So, yeah. don't be a dummy. Like that Keep time listening. when Thanos showed up. That was pretty crazy. <laughs> Oh, uh, yes, and the yeah. Infinity Gauntlet of the yeah. of the crystals. And then uh, Leia and uh, Kylo Ren got snapped away. Yeah, and then, I mean, he put the Kyber crystals into his Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then with one snap, all the Jedi lived within him and all the Sith. <laughs> okay, so here, here is my first, my first thing I want to talk about. And not about whether I liked it or not, because you know what, I don't, I don't yeah. care if people hated can, it. Can we <laughs> just start out by saying like what our mindset was going into this movie? I just wanted him to tie it up with some good fan service that related to so many different things of the previous episodes, yeah. and then tie it up with some closure. And I wanted Ben to turn light. Yeah, I want like those are the things that I wanted in classic good versus evil type of movie. Yeah, where good does win. When there's still a gray area, because obviously Ben Solo was always kind of in the gray area, and how they rehashed yeah. that moment of, I don't know if I have the strength to do this, yeah. and he made the right decision this time, yeah. and acknowledging the things of the past that he did wrong. Because, I mean, it starts off with him slaughtering people. Yeah. The movie starts with him slaughtering. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, the uh. it comes there, but those were my expectations that I wanted. Yeah. Somehow, good to win, whether it was <laughs> Ben Solo or Ray. Or someone destroying whatever was left of Emperor Palpatine and whatnot. Yeah. If there to be, I wanted a, ha- I wanted a happily ever after. Yeah. That's that's what I wanted as just as a nerd and a fan was a yeah. happily ever after of some sort. What so, about you? So I posted on social media that because uh, like the reviews started trickling in where it was at like fifty percent um, or less um, from critics. From critics. Assholes. Yeah. So my perspective on it was. <clears throat> Every Star Wars movie has writing flaws. Absolutely. George, George Lucas dialogue is horrible. It's so bad. The yeah. vision of creating the universe yes. is amazing. And that's what I want out of a Star Wars movie. Yes. I, I'm not there for the quality storytelling, quality dialogue, any of that. I'm there to shut, my, fun. To shut my brain off and look at lasers. To have fun. <laughs> what, I, want, I want to have fun. Yeah. And leave it going, wow. Yeah. Not only that, so little from a story perspective was given to us in the first two movies. I knew there was a whole lot on the shoulders of this movie. You're going to hit the ground running. Yeah, and it's going to be tough to overcome the fact that we don't even know what this uh, trilogy is about. You know, after two movies, like, we still weren't really completely sure. The first trilogy was about Luke Skywalker um, becoming this Jedi that people have only heard rumors about Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, the rebellion against the empire second trilogy. How does this young, innocent boy become the darkest menace in the universe? Mm -hmm. Um, this trilogy, what would you say it's about? Like, cause I still don't know. (coughs) We'll start it off as, 
I think it was more of the it was a coming of it was a coming of age, yeah. not necessarily a good versus evil, mm-hmm. because it truly was coming of age for Ray and Kylo Ren is what it was set up as. That's all we yeah. knew because there wasn't a we didn't know about Palpatine, yeah. we didn't know about any of this, we didn't know that that Jar Jar Binks was going to have such a huge role in it. I'm kidding, uh, <laughs> but I mean everything. Yeah. Everybody, it seems like everything comes from Naboo. Yeah, dear Lord. What is wrong with Naboo? What is in the air in Naboo that it breeds know. evil? What? <laughs> I don't know. There's something in something in the water there. But anyways, that's it was a coming of age because we yeah. didn't know what the, what the true battle was going to be. Even in the Last Jedi, there wasn't the battle set of was Kylo Ren really taken over because he wants to destroy the First Order? Really, no good, no bad, no light, no dark. He just wanted to rule. And yeah. there be an aura. He just wanted to be the supreme ruler of the universe. Period. Yeah. At that point, but it's more of a power struggle, not that really really wanted. Yeah, because the way this movie starts out with, no, I don't want, I don't want to compete. I want to be the ruler. Yeah, but not even have like an order where he's imposing his will, but he just wants to rule. Yeah. So from the critic perspective, the storytelling perspective, I see so many flaws in like this trilogy, this movie, and you know, I don't think it's the fault of this movie that it was so manic from a pace perspective. They had to be manic. They had to be. It's, it's a mistake that was made in the first two movies, not in this movie. Uh, <clears throat> but, like, I think I've kind of isolated what what's going on here. Are you going to read your Facebook status? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so, my analysis is, um, you know, The Rise of Skywalker ignores The Last Jedi Starts by recapping a second movie that didn't exist. <laughs> proceeds to make another second movie, which ends with the Darth Vader or the Death Star ruin scene. So, just to elaborate on that, you know, Leia dies, Ben yeah. or uh, <clears throat> Kylo Ren dies and becomes Ben Solo again. Ray goes jetting off with the um, Sith Wayfinder. That's the end of the second movie. Like I can see that from when you go back and watch the movie, and, you're like, and that is the end of the second act, yeah. of the film. So, but. It's almost like the finale of the, another film of a middle movie. Yeah. If the movie ended there, other than the fact that you know the trilogy ends with this movie, yeah, you're like what? With that knowledge aside, you would have been like, okay, that's the logical ending point of this yeah. movie. Um, but yeah. then they just scum, skip right ahead, and it's the finale of the. Uh, the She's leaving trilogy. us. We have a battle. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so like. Everything felt so shoehorned in, but mm-hmm. it felt like a big part of this movie was just completely shitting on The Last Jedi and making sure that movie was just completely irrelevant. Well, J.J. had a lot of work to do. Well, <laughs> you know, people talk crap about The Last Jedi, but a lot of people also loved The Last Jedi. There are a lot of people that did. I was okay. I'm, I'm not going to be one of the ones that loved or hated. I was okay with it because yeah. I'm not the kind of fan that's like, that was awful. I can't believe what they did with my characters. They're not your characters. No. This is a movie that you enjoy and go watch. Can you dislike the movie? Yes, but yeah. you don't write it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, you you don't write it. So I'm that's why I was okay with it. It, it moved it along. It, it paced it. It wanted to move it along. Yeah. It changed them some things up. Whatever. I kind of liked the fact that Ray was nobody, and that you know a powerful Jedi can come from literally anywhere. It's not this legacy that's thing been talked about as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And so, like, I kind of liked that aspect. Um, the Last Jedi did have some problems. I think um, 
I think Rose had the potential to be an interesting character and was just poorly written and poorly utilized in that movie. But instead of solving that problem in the f- third movie, they just solved that problem Sign by not it. including her at all. Yeah, ten li- <laughs> like ten lines. Yeah, which I think was also a mistake because all of the, you know... And introduced <clears throat> a potential new love interest for Finn. Which I'm glad they didn't focus on love stories. Yeah. So, I'm really glad they didn't focus on love stories in this. Just to get like, to the point. That was... The love story between Kylo Ren and um, Rey, I hated it. Why is that necessary? I don't think it was a lo- true love story. I think it was just a tension. No, but... That they're just drawn uh, to each other by the Force. Sure, but, you know... There was a triad. It just felt shoehorned in there and thrown in like, okay, this is something we've got to do. Are you talking about do. the kiss? Yeah, the kiss specifically. The kiss was awkward. The ki- yeah, the, the kiss, kiss was, was super awkward. awkward. But we could tell the whole time yeah. there's tension. Sure. But then when the kiss happened, I was like, wait, but they're basically cousins. Yeah. When you, when you start thinking about it, because yeah. she changed her name to Skywalker. And it's never referenced <laughs> that it's romantic tension. It's, I see good in you and I want you to be good. Um, I see darkness in you and I want you to be dark. It's that right. yin and yang scenario where they're trying to convince one another that... You know, pulling this way and pulling that way. That's the tension. I don't think any of it was romantic. And I think adding romantic into it was Well, then again, let me, let me throw, pose this question out there, too. And this, I don't want to say it's a hot take, but I'm just throwing it out there. That kisses aren't always romantic. That was a romantic kiss. Yeah, but was it more of a, a faint, like a, oh my god, we, we saved each other in a celebration heat of the moment? I don't know. Type of thing. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't, yeah. I don't believe it. I believe it was romantic. But yeah. maybe that's what they were going for. This was a, wow, did it. It happened. Yeah. And I'm saying goodbye type of kiss, too. Because yeah. he was saying goodbye. He turned to the light. He had to use all of his energy to save her life. Mm-hmm. All of his force energy to save her. And then that happened. So was it awkward? Absolutely, yes. But you know what? I'm not going to hate on things because that was JJ's interpretation of yeah. it. So. The the only romanticism I wanted to see between two characters was Poe and <laughs> Finn. Oh my god! Were you waiting for something to happen when they saw yes. each other? I was like, are they gonna? Are they? Are they gonna? Yeah. Okay, they just hugged. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's something we've never seen before, and I'm right. into it. Do it. Go for it. Like, well, they did happen in the background with yeah. the one. Um, yeah, but the reason they don't do stuff like that is because they know they can't export that to China. Oh well, yeah, it was already getting interestingly received by China mm-hmm. uh, as well. But yeah, but like a throw a throwaway background scene like that, they right. can just edit out. The other thing that pisses me off, and this is a J.J. Abrams issue from the beginning of his career till now, he throws in little nuggets that never get answered. I watched Lost, and I loved Lost at the beginning, because it's like, oh, there's all these interesting secretive things. I can't wait to find out what happens. Then I never fucking find out. So, they're getting sucked into the little, like, sand pit or whatever, and Poe's like, oh, I have something important to tell you. And then they were like... Then it's referenced again when they're about to get executed, and then it's never referenced again. But you know why? Why? Because we're talking about it. <laughs> well, that's dumb, and I hate it. I hate J.J. Abrams. It's not dumb. It's brilliant, and no. you hate it. It's brilliant because now we're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. People are going to ask, what was this? What was this? It's something that's always going to be questioned. I'm fine with some little things being yeah. questioned. Why don't you write something good and we talk about that instead? Because it only is talked about yeah. for so little and then it's done. But now we're always going to be talking. Do people still talk about Lost? They still do. Every, nobody says like, oh, what a great show. What a, what a historic piece. But they still freaking of- want to know, right? 
You are so pissed off right now. So, do you want people to talk shit about you forever? They still talking about me? <laughs> I'm being devil's advocate right now. <laughs> they, they keep talking about what a hack you are, sure. It's not a hack. He's been pretty successful. He's been successful. Like, the only thing where, like, I felt like he could do no wrong, the Star Trek series he was a part of was good through and through, in my opinion. Except for the one he didn't direct. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like. <laughs> See, well, why, did, why does he not do the sandwiched one? Why does he not do the sandwiched movie? And I think that's the issue with this whole series, is that those two directors weren't on the same page. They weren't. Whereas, and, like, Marvel movies, they yeah. have to all be on the same page. Yeah. There has to be continuations. Of and they flirt around with the the overall plot, but all the, the plot's drawn out every step of the way. Yeah. There was no plot drawn out when they started this project, and there wasn't really at the end either. Like, they rushed nothing, it. It was rushed, nothing was planned, and I think that's the mistake they're making. And I think that's why Marvel is the only one who can really tackle this whole cinematic universe things. They're the only ones able to do it long term. They create buy-in. Yeah, they create buy-in. They stick to what makes the fanboys happy and just kind of... For the most part. For the most part. (laughs) And then they're like, okay, here's the timeline of everything that's sorted out. Here's the way they did it in the comic books. Let's just tweak it as we go. Yeah. Make no major changes or influences and stick with it for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. So now, did you like the movie, though? You've been been on a bitch session now for about (laughs) ten minutes. Like I said, I shut my brain Did off and I had fun. Did you enjoy the movie? Though? I enjoyed it. I okay. shut my brain off and I had a good time. Okay, that's what's important. Now, yeah. my favorite cameo. Okay, mm. first of all, are you a cry a movie crier? No, not okay. at all. Okay, I cry emotional. I'm a nerd crier. Yeah. So when Lando showed up, no, no, not, not Lando. I cried when John Williams had his cameo yeah. because it's all the movies. He's scored over twenty five hours of this. When does he show up? He is in the droid shop on Kajimi okay. with the eye patch. When they pass by him, he goes, Huh. Interesting. His little cameo. See, I don't read anything. I didn't read it. Uh, I knew it. I uh, recognized okay. him. Well, I think you've met the man, so that's. Yeah. The, that, but it's still one of those things different. where it's like, well, but it's enough to recognize his face, even though he's wearing an eye patch and everything. But yeah. it's when they're trying to go back to, to Babo yeah. in there, and they walk by him, and he just kind of gives a disgruntled thing. But. John Williams, for how much he's given yeah. to the Star Wars universe with his music. Yeah. And if somebody says, well, it's just music. like If you want some of the, the most iconic movie music that is recognizable around the world, it is Star Wars. Yeah, The most recognizable movie music across the world is Star Wars. Those mm-hmm. themes. And that's why even I'm telling people, there's no in-credit scene. But stay through the credits because it is the best of John Williams and Star Wars. Yeah. Duel of the Fates is not presented unfortunately but it seriously is the best of the best with all the different themes that he's written because yeah. he's so good at writing themes for characters you know what you're going to hear when luke skywalker appears on the screen yeah you're going to hear the dual sunset theme you're going to hear leia's theme mm-hmm. you're going to hear ray's theme now you're going to hear the rise of the resistance theme you're going to yeah. hear all these different themes the imperial theme and that's yeah. what i love about it and that made me tear up I was like he finally got to be on screen <laughs> also, including uh, Palpatine again, 10 out of 10. Oh, yeah. That was an excellent decision. It reminded me a little bit of Harry Potter. Yeah. That is like, he basically had Horcruxes. <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, also, <clears throat> the whole, um, you know, communicating through the Force and like ripping the necklace off. Yeah. I think that was a big risk and it really paid off. And the I healing think, thing, too. I think it worked out really well. 
And, you know, I think there's been some complaints about people are like, well, you can just make the Force whatever it, you want it to be. And I'm like, well, it's Space Wizards. Like, yeah. who cares? Yeah, and you have to explain it. <laughs> yeah. Like, you have to be very powerful. Yeah. Like, there's a reason why the certain ones, just like the child in The Mandalorian. Yeah. Like, that's why that episode came out on Wednesday. Yeah. Because of healing power, just in case to make sure to explain it to nerds of, like, very powerful Jedi and Sith have these different types of powers. Yeah. There's a reason to explain all this. Them working around um, Carrie Fisher's death was fine in the second movie. In this one, I felt like it was very ham-fisted and done poorly. Because people would walk up to her and be like, <laughs> Leia, <laughs> the Millennium Falcon is not responding. They're off on this mission. You know how important this mission is, but there's, things aren't going well. And then she'd have a very generic line like, this mission is very vital to what we're trying to accomplish. And then it's another, like, minute and a half of somebody talking, and, like, it's just very simple I things. think they did the best they could. They did the best they could, um, but... I mean, it's probably all along they knew when she was going to have to die as a character. Yeah. That it was going to be in the last one. Yeah. But they, but they, pro- they probably had it through, they're trying to minimize her role already, too. And that ties it. back into my thing with this being the second movie. I feel like that's when it should have taken place. I think including her in the third movie was just too much. Because now it's been a good long time. They just would have had to explain passed. a lot. Yeah. Just, so it's, it's tough when you deal with real actor deaths. Yeah. And things like that. Um, now, okay, were you surprised to see Han Solo making a, a special appearance? Not necessarily. I just thought because with Harrison Ford being done. <laughs> yeah. With it, just done. Yeah. But he made a good... I like that appearance. Yeah. Very, very, very brief. Kind of like the Yoda appearance. Yeah. And dude, the voices... That was another part when I cried. Yeah, I didn't pick up on who all of the voices were. And like in my second viewing, I was trying to keep track. But Even I know Freddie Cl- Prince Jr. Who is he? From Clone Wars. Yeah? I mean, they got so many different voices in there. Who does he play in Clone Wars? Oh my god, I just forgot his name. Why did I forget his name? Please don't hate me, people. No, but to have Yoda. Yeah. Obi-Wan. Old Obi-Wan. <laughs> Qui-Gon. Yeah, Qui-Gon. Um, Mace Windu, yeah. Luke. I mean, um, Hayden Christensen. Hayden is in Christensen, there too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that right there, that's a little bit of fan service that I wanted. Yeah. To have all these, they're still a part of the universe, and I'm getting chills talking about it just because it's like that was one of those little moments yeah. where it's bringing everything together, and it is the true. Almost, I, I relate to Marvels to, to Avengers a little bit because there are those moments where it's like we had our little portals moment with all the, the all the spaceships showing up yeah. including Wedge and Tilly's. Wedge showed up. I mean, that's cool. Little yeah. things like that where Wedge shows up and yeah. having those little throwback moments but hearing all those voices I started getting chills and crying a little bit there just getting teary I not like bawling yeah. but teary out of like these are those moments of growing up. You know, and hearing all those little voices be a part of it. And um yeah, it's just, it just hit a lot of emotional points for me to where it's like, yeah, does it have its problems? Of course it does. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. It brought it into a series that I've loved since I was an actual kid. Yeah. My, luckily, my dad introduced me to it when I was a kid. And people keep talking about, like, oh, it's the last movie. And we're, no, no, it's not. It's the last of that saga. <laughs> yes, last of that saga. We know there's going to be more because there's money to be made. Yeah. I've seen the <laughs> final Star Wars movie three times. Yeah. 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 Um, honestly, I hope moving forward they kind of separate themselves from like Empire versus Rebellion and Skywalker. Have Solo, adventure like, stories. Yeah, more stuff like the Mandalorian right. and Rogue One, which they kind of did set that up. 
Yeah. With Lando and... Yeah. I, for, I already forgot the character's name. Yeah. And, but, okay, that's another problem I have. They introduce characters in the second movie that don't really go anywhere and they don't utilize in this movie. And then, and then they introduce more characters in this movie that they don't really utilize properly. At a certain point... Gotta stop introducing characters. Stop introducing characters. Like, Dio was cute, though. Yeah, yeah. And it served a purpose. They were right. able to connect it because of that story, so at least they connected it for some That reason. one made sense. Lando and Empire Strikes Back made sense. Yeah. And those were the last few characters they introduced. Right, actual characters that actually stuck through. Yeah. Like, you know... Uh, you can have secondary characters. Those are fine. Yeah, secondary characters are fine here and there, but, like, the overall... Like, you know, oh, like, we're going to have this character go along with us in every scene. Like, well, why? Right. I get that. Yeah. I get that. But, yeah, it was also nice, too, that they made sure to fit in. I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah. And then also the scene where they had the bar scene, because you always have to have some sort of bar scene with all the different alien creatures. Yeah. I did like the beauty of the Festival of Colors. Yeah. That That was was really cool with the dancing and everything like that. It it shows the, the vast cultures represented so. this is 3po's best movie oh totally the writing yeah. i thought the writing was hilarious and great for the yeah show. like of <clears throat> any of the star wars movies this was his yeah. best movie like he actually clapped back a couple times <laughs> yes yeah. you, you can tell he's getting older and has yeah. that old man attitude the old man sassy droid but yeah. when when they're all looking back at him and then he turns and looks back to him like yeah. ah! <laughs> yeah. it was just one of those actual cackle moments yeah and like <laughs> i went back and like tried to focus in on his dialogue this during uh-huh. the second viewing and like just everything was spectacular <laughs> what was it you didn't ask but i'm okay yeah i didn't hear you mention <laughs> my name but i'm okay, okay. too yeah. <laughs> so but yeah I, I enjoyed the movie i really enjoyed the music john williams and somebody also somebody obviously the internet was more dumb yeah. did he really compose anything new with basically the same themes over and over and like then you're not listening to the music dumbass because yeah. the themes are involved in it yeah. But he rehashes different things around that theme to make it new as well. Yeah. So it makes and it so when you brilliant. go see ACDC, do you want to hear their new album? <laughs> no. no. Play the hits. Dear God, but still. Like yeah. in the behind the scenes part where obviously they recorded this in London like they always have mm-hmm. for Star Wars. But that John Williams and J.J. Abrams and... Oh my gosh, I forgot the other guy's name that helped with the orchestrations for it. Mm-hmm. They would go record it with the orchestra. And then go on a little screen and watch how it would mix with the movie. And then go back and redo stuff. Because obviously, with yeah. how secretive this was, this wasn't a different kind of movie where they could just have the movie playing and the orchestra record it. It was so super secretive yeah. that they want, they were doing this. So the orchestra's playing blind, yeah. not knowing really what it's about. And having to fit in. So it's just unique to see the, the intricacies and details of the confidentiality yeah. of this as well. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm, yeah. I'm happy with it. And uh, I'm, I'm ready for more Mandalorian now. Yeah. Well, I think we've talked enough. Do you have anything else to add? Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. (laughs) All right, then. Well, thank you for listening to Southern Hostility. Island.
Mr. Wow.